At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We stay the course. We are dead. We are all dead. We're supposed to make the world a better place. What I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I know Kung Fu. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! This whole thing is insane! This whole thing is insane! 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men of power want? More power. This is now the United States of zombie land. This whole thing is insane! Man is even capable of nothing but destruction! Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? It's such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy heresies and welcome to the desert of the real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it is. It just is. Especially with the audio version of AB Live. This one, episode 55. Raw, uncensored, and unfiltered. Just like the truth you've been looking for across all your existences. Supercharged by stellar audience participation. Amanda Radcliffe returned to the virtual Alexandria to share more on the Gnostic Cathar mysteries. This included several secret histories and crucial prophecies. One that happens this August and means the changing of the ages. Get ready to learn about key Cathar figures and teachings that will prepare you for a crumbling society and the potential of a new reality. Sophia is returning. I would certainly rewatch Amanda's previous interview to grasp the Cathars in their fullness. It's a damn fine cup of gnosis. But as a bonus for patrons, Red Circle, and AB Prime members, I'll include a past interview with Sean Martin on his best-selling book, The Cathars. You'll get a bigly summary on Cathar history, rituals, and theology. Don't miss it. I'm so grateful to those of you who support this Red Pill Cafeteria, and I hope I have served you well. Your support and company keep me going. Don't forget the Finding Hermes program and my voiceover availability. Whether it's an audiobook, commercial, podcast, or documentary, I can bring stellar results to your project. As mentioned in the interview, you can now tip via Stripe, since many of you use it, found in the show notes of any audio podcast. And you can join the simple but effective Red Circle RSS feed that works in the podcast provider of your choice. We need Gnosis more than ever, especially with Sophia returning, or more like she's already here, as Amanda will argue. You won't find this high-quality Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom, or guess in their unique insights, anywhere else in cyberspace or even meat space. But enough of my short drivel. 
as they say in France or Southern France, led us to our latest AB Live. Talking Bible shit. You listening? You know, stones from the sky? They're once considered God sent. Origins of creation itself. Oh, yeah, you're talking about the panspermia theory. The idea that meteoric debris seeded our planet with the building blocks of life. I'm talking reality, brother. Meteorites are the bedrock of all religions. You know the statue of the goddess that's worshipped by the Romans at the Vatican? That statue was carved from the same black arrowy as the Kaaba Muslims face when they kneel in prayer. <laughs> Bet they didn't teach you that in college. How do you know all this crazy shit, Ezra? I Google. All right, we are live. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Desert of the Real. Birdie Num Num and those leatherettes are still warm. Very excited, uh, definitely this time about AB Live because we are not just having an amazing guest and conversation about a still very interesting and important topic, but we will be discussing what I feel is the changing of the ages. So welcome everybody who is now uh, filing in into the chat rooms of YouTube and Facebook. And with us, uh, great to have uh, a great individual, a great person, and somebody who I am uh, proud to call a great friend recently. Amanda, thanks for coming back on AM Byte. Thank you for having me again, Miguel and Vance. And Vance, Vance the Moondog, how are you? Oh, no. Scrambling for my mute button <laughs> after talking to like people who are chatting. Oh, really good. I'm looking forward. This should be an exciting one. Um, uh, talking about, you know, with the uh, advent of the prophecy, right? And so mm -hmm. forth. So I'm looking forward to hearing Amanda speak about that topic and all the good questions from the people in the chat room. Oops. Indeed, indeed. As always, people, I see you in the chat room. I don't know why people are talking about how they're not wearing pants during this video, but whatever. I uh, I have a nice shirt, but I admit I am wearing shorts here because it's just hot. Again, a weird, as we were talking, it's been a weird August here in the Midwest. Uh, record storms and tornadoes. The God Thor must be angry or something like that. But as always, please, uh, if you have questions, when we get to the question section, Write it all in caps, question marks, uh, keep it all on the topic, obviously, of the Cathars and European heresy and Gnosticism, and it will get to you. Super chats, obviously, will get to the top and so forth. And the audio version, of course, will be available in a few days, uh, and it will also be on YouTube. So it'll be out for all of you. So... Uh, let's see. I have so much to talk about or that I've written about. I, uh, we, we had a really spanning, uh, conversation last time, Amanda, but we still didn't get to so much. And, uh, we don't, we definitely want to talk about the prophecy, but I want to wait just a little bit longer because it usually takes about 15 to 20 minutes for everybody to really file in into the chat room as they get their alerts on YouTube and Facebook and they get to their computer and all that's so uh but from our last conversation is there anything you think we missed that was important oh, beyond gosh. the prophecy obviously the prophecy <laughs> parts but beyond that i don't know i was hoping you could answer that question i i can answer that question of course because i wrote copious notes ah. uh, i guess one of the questions i had is uh the black madonna and uh, ah. uh, although our audience know this, but as we talked, a lot of the information that you receive never gets out of France. And then some of the information that gets out of mm. France to Europe never comes to the United States. You're always pointing out stuff to me. And I'm like, this is not in any of our books. No scholars talk about it. So the Black Madonna, what do you think? 
Yeah, I'm happy that you started with that, actually, because as you can see, I have one right here. Um, oh, yeah. working now. Lovely. It's Our Lady of Montserrat, which is very close to Montsegur, interestingly enough. And in the church of Montsegur, we have a replica of this Black Madonna, which was gifted to the church by the monks from Montserrat. And Montserrat is in Barcelona. And in it's about two hours drive from Montsegur. And in typical style, as with all of these um, places, there is a legend about the Black Madonna and how she appeared in Montserrat. Um, that there were a number of shepherds that heard a strange ethereal voice singing long before the church in Montserrat existed. And when they followed this strange voice, they found a statue of a black goddess and uh, this was before there was a church there obviously and so they took the statue and started to worship the statue believing that she was some kind of ancient pagan deity and a small chapel grew up around this cult which was then um, kind of incorporated into Christianity of course at that time but the story is quite strange because the statue kept disappearing and reappearing in different places and people would try to steal her or throw her away in some way and she'd always reappear. So it's an interesting story about Montserrat. And so this is the lady that I have right here from Montserrat. Um, but as you know, there's a deeper, a deeper mystery to the Black Madonna, no. which, you know, you say this information doesn't get out of France. It doesn't really get out of anywhere. Um, you know, apart from a couple of brave people like myself and a few other crazies who are willing to uh, talk about it. Um, but you'll see here that I have two black stones. So, you know the story about the black stones? The black stones? No. No, please oh. share. I don't either. Oh, okay. We might have discussed, yeah. Okay, maybe we didn't. So um, when I first moved to France um, in 2016 and I, I'd become ordained into the Gnostic Church, I was told by a clairvoyant that I would be moving to Montségur mm -hmm. and that when I went to Montségur, I would become the guardian of the Black Stones. And the way she put it was the deity that came to earth on a meteorite. So when I first went to Montségur and I met Richard, the first gift that he gave to me were these black stones, which are meteoric in origin. And they're only found in the Pyrenees. They're only found in one location in the world. Um, however, Miguel, as you know, you've interviewed Patrice Chaplin before mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And I'm currently reading her book, The Stone Cradle. Oh, and isn't it's it incredible? <laughs> we've made contact as well. And yeah. uh, thanks to you and your recommendation. And it seems like uh, she also knows about these stones. And they're connected to the same meteor strike that happened that spread from northern France, in, sorry, northern Spain into the south of France, into the Pyrenees region. So what I want to tell you about these is I'm going to do something pretty strange. Okay. This is like show and tell at school. <laughs> <laughs> right. Are you ready for this, guys? So, you know the saying that you can never get blood out of stone? Yeah. Uh, well, watch this. Holy oh. God, that stone is bleeding. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. And what is uh, I don't what is the legend or the reasoning behind it? Well, nobody really knows how these stones were discovered. Um, they only, as I say, are found in two regions of of the uh, Languedoc of Occitania, and you probably heard the story about the idea that um, the Holy Grail was a stone that fell from the crown of Lucifer. Mm -hmm. And you probably heard the story about Parsifal where they say, you know, if you come into contact with these stones, 
you will never get sick and your hair will never turn white for as long as you have these stones in your possession. Mm. So it's believed that the Cathars had these stones and that they knew about them and that, that they knew about their properties too. And they definitely have healing powers. And um, someone that I know, he used these stones on his mom when she had cancer and her cancer went into remission. Um, you know, it's quite a, a strong claim, but it's true. Um, so, you know, going back to your original question, um, the original Black Madonna, I believe, was a meteorite, was a meteoric stone from Pestinus. And at the time when Hannibal was uh, persecuting Rome, the oracles said, you must go to Pessinus and uh, get this this Kybele uh, statue, um, or Kybel, however you want to pronounce it, and bring it to Rome. And so they did. And the interesting thing about this particular statue, this stone, is she was never allowed to be touched by a man. She could only be touched by a woman. Her priestesses kept her in a special place. I don't know how they convinced them to give the stone you know up i don't know if they had a choice but certainly the story is that the stone the deity <clears throat> the meteoric black madonna was passed from woman to woman to woman until it came onto the boat and there it was passed into the hands of a male priest dressed as a woman mm. and this is where the um legend states that the male Christian vestments come from. So this this uh, Black Madonna could only be handled by women. And so these priests dress like women. And then they later, um, well, not later, actually, at the same time, they also castrated the men who wanted to serve this deity. So I know that sounds complete crazy, but the original Black Madonna, the original meteoric stone from Pestinus is under the Vatican. <laughs> Really? Hmm. Mm. Surprise, surprise. Not surprise. <laughs> so the Black Madonna is a very, very interesting uh, subject because there is so much to it that people just don't know. It's not simply, oh, it's a replica of Kali from India or she, she just got dirty over like a few thousand years of worship. You know, there's something much deeper on an esoteric level. Um, especially when you consider where these stones came from and what they are and their properties. And when you consider that the Kaaba stone in Mecca is also a black meteoric stone. You know, why do people worship these things? Because it works. It's the only reason. Why make pilgrimages to kiss these stones? Why make pilgrimages to go and visit these statues and these places where these spirits are said to um, to emerge from and to manifest in unless it works. One of my kind of biggest pilgrimages when I first moved to France was to go to a Black Madonna. And the exciting and interesting thing about that is that was the first time I had an encounter with the white lady. I've talked with you about this once. Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, I worshipped at the at the Black Madonna and I was praying for about 200 people there as part of a kind of group. And yeah, the, the Black Madonna there was very, very ancient, very, very powerful. And she manifested in the night, but as a white spirit um, at the end of my bed, um, a woman of light. Mm. And she spoke and she said... Uh, you, you think you're coming here to see the Black Madonna, but this is what I really look like. Now, what do you want? <laughs> you called me, <laughs> so what do you want? And I obviously couldn't speak because I was just in complete shock and I was pinching myself to make sure I was actually awake and I was definitely awake. I was terrified. And all I could do was just sit there hiding under the duvet, <laughs> staring at this too. thing. Huh? I would too. Hey. No doubt. <laughs> I would do yeah. exactly the same. Overwhelming. And uh, I couldn't speak. And then after a couple of hours, she kind of 
extended this filament of light out towards me and started scanning up and down my body this and then she said what you want is the truth and the truth you shall have and then she said something really strange which was and if you want to know the truth about your boyfriend look on his phone and then she disappeared I went what I kind of came out of this like trance that I'd been in and I said what no I'm not doing that and then and she disappeared <laughs> and, you, and you looked at his phone I'm sure <laughs> no I asked him if I oh, could yeah. and he said no <laughs> <laughs> which was the answer right <laughs> yeah exactly um no it was a funny story he'd been in contact with his ex-girlfriend after lying about it that's all oh. but um yeah it, it the the funny thing about this story is the next day i went to um a local shop where this happened this happened in a place called orsaville in the Auvergne region of france and um, I met a man there who I just said to him, do you know of anyone who's had anything strange happen around here, like related to the church or the Black Madonna? And he said, yes, me. And then he told me that a year before he was about to commit suicide and he went into the church and he, he owned the shop opposite the church next to the hotel where I was staying. So it was on exactly the same ley line. And um, he went into the church and he started like praying and he said I'm not a religious person but I felt like praying because I was about to kill myself and mm. um that night in his in his bedroom the same thing happened this happened to me oh. he was in bed and this woman of light appeared at the end of his bed and he was terrified as I was and she said pretty much the same things to him but she said um don't kill yourself don't do what you were planning to do because if you do this this and this will happen to your family um and so he he didn't kill himself and it was so extraordinary that he was sharing that story with me because of what i had just experienced you know if it had just been me i could have written it off maybe as a dream even though i knew i wasn't dreaming or in some other way written it off but this man who i didn't know at all had an almost identical experience one year almost to the day God, incredible mm -hmm. stories and uh yes you're talking about patrice chaplin and her book her last book uh is incredible i mean she's been on the show and talked about how that area is full of portals and Again, it's not something mm -hmm. that uh, we discovered or she, you and I, this is something that the Romans, uh, the Gauls, everybody knew that area was full of some sort of visitation. And and of course, Patrice talks about the meteorites and this being called Lucifer that's in the Iberian Peninsula around there. And of course, we can mention the Kaaba in Mecca. Cybele originally began as a meteorite that fell on Earth and was worshipped, and she's considered the mother of all goddesses. So even mm -hmm. the part about the men dressing as women, that's not rare. And I think in um, in Russia, the shamans used to dress up as women when they'd take their flights to fool the archons or the spirits while they were trying to get to the other world. And in many cults, like the cult of Mithras, you're supposed to cross-dress at a certain point. So there's this illusion trickster play because i'm sure you agree these beings are tricksters in themselves they have uh moralities or desires that sometimes are alien to our little human ideas you know of you know boyfriends and money and bank accounts and all that stuff and exactly. for the audience uh you said when you met to uh to talk to richard who is richard uh, many oh, richard stanley. sorry richard stanley um who was the director of colorado space about meteorites of course good movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah Great that was movie. two years before we made the movie that that happened uh, and so awesome. we'd already put you know that was already in the script long before i arrived on the scene of course because it's based on the lovecraft story but the synchronicity if we can call it that of uh you know the first gift he gave me when i turned up at monsegur was these meteoric stones that bleed with some kind of alien substance that heals people. In a way, it's the opposite of what the color does in the movie. But then there are many different ways of looking at the movie, as we've already discussed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we talked about the movie in the 
uh, the meteorites and a whole bunch else. And uh, somebody in the chat, Amanda, was talking about uh, the meteorites and the Black Madonna and relating it to Mary Magdalene. How do you see Mary Magdalene playing into this or does she play into this at all? It's a good question. I mean, I tend to look at these things in streams of um, similarity, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if we look at it from a Gnostic perspective, if we consider the idea of the emanations or the syzygies, um, certain beings come from a certain stream, perhaps. I would, uh, it has been suggested that there is a link, of course, between these, these stones and Mary Magdalene, but I've never actually explored that myself. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I, I look more deeply at the pre-Christian origins in the cult of, of Kybele and Pessimus. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not quite sure how the link happens yet between Mary Magdalene and the Blackstones, but I'm open to to learn more if there is one. What about the Black Madonna? Black Madonna, definitely, because the original Black Madonna, the Black Madonna and Mary Magdalene, again, I don't really personally see the the link, um, mostly because I don't see Mary Magdalene as a kind of pre-Christian deity. I see her more as a a, a kind of human being who was divinized uh, through her relationship with Christos, who was a high priestess of her own cult, um, probably from maybe a Canaanite background, Syrian background, if you look at the Migdal stone in, in Migdal, uh, I don't know if you've seen that yet, Miguel, but um, it has some very interesting symbolism, including the earliest depiction of the menorah. But the menorah, you can trace that back to the cult of Tanit. And a lot of the symbolism in the Migdal stone, you can definitely link to a more ancient pre-Christian goddess, Tanit. Um, and so... Tanis is very interesting because she was linked with Carthage or Carthage. Um, mm-hmm. And Carthage is where the first ever use of the name Cathar came from, I've discovered. Uh, really? at the very, very beginning of early Christianity. Yeah. And the whole cult in North Africa was extremely interesting and extremely rich. And a lot of the um, very early heretics, Christian heretics, came out of the Carthage cult. Uh, came out of North Africa, like everyone that I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, around yeah. Alexandria, hotbed of heresy. But Cathar yeah. means, uh, in, I think it's Latin or Greek, means pure one, right? Yeah. So what happened, and forgive me because I can't remember the exact name of the bishop, but um, the Romans were trying to make the early Christians sacrifice to their gods in the square. And if the Christian priests did this, they uh, were considered impure. And mm. these, this particular group of early Christians believed that if you sacrifice to another god, in other words, to the, to the Romans gods at this particular time, then you had to go back to the beginning and start your training to be a priest again because you were ritually impure. And they believed that a person who, a priest who was sinful in themselves could not then administer the sacraments, very different to what we have now in the Catholic Church. Um, But that each priest had to be pure within themselves or the sacraments wouldn't work and the Eucharist wouldn't work and the spirit wouldn't manifest in the wine. You know, so they had a very strict um, opinion about about this and that's where they, the first um, use of the term the pure ones cathars came into into um, the public domain I think mm-hmm. and this is going back I think to the third century it may have been even earlier so it's long before you know we're talking about what happened in the Languedoc 
And the Cathars, they they didn't really call themselves Cathars. Like most Gnostics didn't call themselves Gnostics. Didn't they call themselves just the good people, the good Christians? Or Yeah, we have differing stories about this. Um, um, some people say that they did. You know, in Occitania, they, they believe that they did. Um, it's certainly a big part of the Occitan identity uh, to use that name. But then other people dismiss it and say, oh, no, that's a, a, you know, a, a, I can't even remember the right word. Yeah, <laughs> a yeah. bad phrase, anyway. <laughs> um, Polemic, yeah. Pe pe pejorative, I think that's Pejorative, right. you're correct. Yeah. It's very hot here as well. But, you know, Is it? Yeah, um, a pejorative. So it's really difficult to answer that with any historical no. fact. Um, but it's said that they called themselves the good men and women or the pure ones. But I don't even think they would have called themselves the pure ones because that would be going against their belief in humility. Uh, yeah, I would definitely agree. And like you said, uh, there's a lot of obfuscation because of the historical records and censorship and who knows what. And uh, well, we want to get to prophecy, but first, probably a couple of questions for the audience. I know uh, Cosmic Koala, and I, you, you, I sent you this question last night where we talked about it, but he wanted to know about Occitan. Is that's the original language of Southern France? Is that still spoken where you are, or do you it have you had to learn it? Is it? I haven't had the luxury of learning it yet because I'm still trying to learn French. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Occitan is still spoken in Occitania, yeah. Uh, it has been revived. You know, one of the great things about this Cathar Gnostic revival is that it has brought so many people into the knowledge, the gnosis of Occitania and its language. And it has um, restored the language into the local schools. Um, there are still people who speak it in the mountains. Um, you know, it, it, the, the accent is very strong. It, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful language, but it is very different to French. So right now, I'm not able to speak it very well. Um, At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. But when I get time, it's something I'd like to learn, yeah. But it is spoken, yeah. And it was banned for a while after the... Uh... The Inquisition and all the whole crusade against the Cathars? It was, and it's hard to imagine that that can actually happen. But then it's hard to imagine that a million people were killed for an ideology yeah. that was actually harmless. Yeah, it was doing so, yeah, harmless is doing such a good thing to the consciousness of humanity. Again, it was. Uh, to yeah. uh, to the whole region again. We talked in our last interview how it was a, a renaissance before the renaissance. You had alchemists and knights templar, and uh, yeah. women had more rights. I mean, it was just an amazing energy there. And it should be mentioned this interview is on the thirteenth, so that's uh, a number connected to the knights templar. So it seems mm -hmm. like destiny made us uh the, the the aeons moved it so we would do the interview today and i guess that's why i needed to spend a week in uh youtube jail yeah but sometimes the aeons use the archons <laughs> <laughs> that's a good yeah. thought 
Yeah, I get yes, a good way to look at it. And Vance, do you see any questions from the audience, or do you have any of your own questions? Yeah, I, I had a couple. Octatan or here. English is fine. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. Uh, excuse this, the ringtone going on in the background. Uh, it must be the, um, the the spammers are active in the morning. Um, so uh, let's see which one. Maybe it's the Spanish first? Inquisition. Calling you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Masharati uh, wants to know if um, there is anything to the theories that link the archetypes used in the tarot cards to the theology of the Cathars. Yes, I believe that there is. I haven't studied this in any great depth, but I do know several people that I respect very much who have. I can't say any more about that because I haven't actually looked into it myself, but I'd say, yeah, definitely there is, yeah, from what I've been told by people that I really respect and that know a lot about the history of the region. Yeah. Interesting. And um, Oswald Spengler, who is a frequent visitor to us at Ambite Live, wants to know what you know about the calendar system that the Cathar prophecy used. Good question. I don't know. All I know is that when Balibast was killed, which is very close to this day where we are now, not not very far away at all, he said in 700 years the laurel will turn green again and the good men and women shall return, as, as you know. Um, what calendar system that they were using, I don't know, but that came to light this prophecy through the Neo-Cathar movement, um, which was started by one of the progenitors of my church um, and was started also by an academic called Deodar Roche, or Rocher, who was a French academic who lived in Occitania. And he really single-handedly, with a lot of uh, esotericists and scholars, um, brought about this Cathar return, which started in the 19th century. So how that came into the kind of current consciousness, nobody really knows. They don't really, I've looked into records and, um, you know, the Inquisition records and things like that, and I can find no mention of this in the records, but it's been passed on as a kind of oral tradition um, through different people, different esotericists, um, different Gnostics for a very long time. And given everything that's happening in the world at the moment and given everything I've seen, like a, a good example being, as I said to you, Miguel, in a private message, the, um, the plague of Chinese moths that we had two years ago that decimated mm. the entire mountain and ate everything that was green. And we thought everything was just dead and we had landslides because, you know, the, 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 these bushes were holding together a lot of the, the root, their root system was holding together parts of the mountain. And so many of the roads up the mountain were blocked because of landslides when this happened. And we saw it as a terrible sign, you know, that, that these trees were dying and everyone who lived on the mountain could feel that something, you know, was happening that wasn't right. And then, sure enough, they started to turn green again. So this this is not just a myth, you know. This is something those of us who live there can observe and have observed. And this is what really made me, as a person who, who loves Montsegur so much, you know, stand up and take notice of this and as well as the amount of people contacting me who have what they, you know, feel are past life memories of this time and my own memories are of that time. So it, that is a long answer to say that I don't know. Julian <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, let's get into the prophecy since we got there. And uh, yeah. I wanted to start, and I hope I don't go into uh, my own um, rants because yours are good amanda i just sort of lose <laughs> myself in pure drivel but uh, a lot of individuals who i respect like you usually women who are psychic and this includes jessa reed and many others uh, 
are telling me that, yes, this is the age of, uh, there is a changing age, and this is the age of Sophia, and she is returning. Whether she's happy or not, well, it will be it will remain to see, because, again, this is a trickster being. But uh, they're convinced and that this is it. And as we talked, August 21st is a big day. Um, it's my daughter, Ellie, six, uh, she'll be turned six on August 21st and I'll be at a wedding at the adjoining of the unions down the road. So there seems to be a seismic change. And, uh, I think there is something changing myself. I am still suspicious. Mm -hmm. Like I tell people, you need that surly Gnostic in the corner waving his finger and that'll be me like, watch out, you know, watch out. Mm -hmm. Let's not get too, uh, let's not create egregores or go too far with this. Mm. But I think there is something going on. And it was, it reminded me too this morning, Amanda, I was thinking of the, the miracle at Fatima and how that prophecy came about. And when I was a kid, my mom knew many people who had witnessed that miracle, the sun moving over Portugal. I mean, hundreds of people. And when you think about it, there were hundreds of thousands of people who witnessed this when it happened two generations ago. And that would be a hard trick to pull. So something really supernatural happened there and changed the lives of so many people just in that little place in Fatima in the town that was right there, which I've visited many times, and the energy there is incredible. So now that I've said all of this, why don't we get to basics? Tell us about the prophecy of Belebast. And, well, if and you don't mind. And how, yeah, uh, no, so no, please, of course. I'd like to just add something to that, because hey. I, I believe that the white lady that I have seen that manifested in Orsaval and also manifests in Monsecure, and I know this is a terribly heretical thing to say, so I apologize to any Catholics listening, but I believe that that she is um, the same being, an, an iteration of the same energy stream or the same being um, as the lady who was seen in Fatima, as the lady who Vance has had contact with. Sorry, Vance, uh, for revealing that. Um, as the lady, you know... I know, it's okay. <laughs> um, as the lady who was seen in Lord, um, mm -hmm. and and this is a bit of an aside, but the the CIA psychic Ingo Swan, who was mm -hmm. part of the Men Who Stare at Goats program, um, has written a book about the apparitions of Mary, and I really like this book because it it links together the different um, the different apparitions and shows just how how huge they were, like you said, Miguel, you know, so many people have seen so many of these apparitions all over the world. And there are many that we don't even hear about because the Catholic Church never verifies them. So yeah, there but are when you talk to them, like in Fatima, Guadalupe, they, they never say the Virgin Mary, they describe as a light or a female, a lady. That's it. The lady. That's yeah. what we all call her, the lady. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I have to say that when I had that, um, I will get back to what you said, but just to say that when I had that um, experience in Orsaval, and then I met the man who had the same experience, but one year previously in the same place, he thought he'd seen the Virgin Mary because he was raised Catholic and it happened opposite the church. I didn't think I'd seen the Virgin Mary, but I had no idea what I had seen. And it made me feel very uncomfortable for a long time because I just didn't know why I'd, I'd met this being, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and her interest in something very banal like my my love life. <laughs> and, you know, I can understand like why she would help this man, like, not kill himself. But, you know, why give me that information? It was just surreal. And um, And it was only when I met Richard Stanley Again, this is how Richard Stanley and I connected because I was working for an esoteric web TV channel in Paris. And part mm. of my job was to find um, subjects for us to interview. And so Richard was on the list and, okay, he knows about Cathars. All right, I'll, I'll get in contact with him. But then as soon as I found out more about him and I found out he'd made a film about meeting the lady then I, I was like, okay, there's something happening here. 
And the first conversation we had was not about the cathars, it was about the white lady. And he helped me to understand that I was not alone, that there were many, many, many people who'd had this experience all over the world and that there was a large strong tradition of um, apparitions. I call them visitations because they're mm. visitations. They're not an apparition um, no. of the White Lady all throughout the Pyrenees, going back to Neolithic times and, you know, prehistory. The, the most ancient um, sculpture of a woman, of a goddess, is found in the Pyrenees. And she is made out of, I think, uh, a tusk of some kind. And so Richard believes that she is one of the original um, representations of this particular being of the white lady. So I just wanted to add that in there because for me, your story about Fatima, you know, it, it connects in. And what you say about the psychic women that you're meeting who keep saying, you know, she's coming back, she's coming back. Well, mm -hmm. she is coming back and she's here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she is here already. It's just the manifestation is going to take a little, yeah. little bit long. Yeah, incredible times. And again, this place, the Iberian Peninsula is just full of energies, portals, and uh, great place to be and a great place to find yourself or lose your past self. One of the two is a great adventure. So uh, tell us about uh, the, the prophecy that I was talking about, Belibast. Yeah, so the prophecy. Yeah, the prophecy. Well, what's interesting, I think, about the prophecy is we can see it's happening all around us. And Belibast is a, is a very kind of paradoxical character. He's a trickster. You speak about trickster deities and he's a trickster you know Ballybass murdered someone so all these kind of people yeah. who don't really know about the cathars i'm going to be a bit mean and say new ages that don't really know about cathars sorry new ages but you know do your research please <laughs> um yeah yeah you know they kind of hold up Ballybass as some kind of iconic guru figure um some kind of christic type character but he he was a very paradoxical man, and I like him for that reason because he's not um, whiter than white. You know, he's not purer than pure. He he murdered someone when he was a young mm -hmm. guy, and then he got involved in like a very weird threesome type relationship um, where he convinced his best friend to marry the young woman that he was having an affair with because she was mm -hmm. pregnant and then tried to blame the pregnancy on him. Um, so, you know, he was, a, he was a mixed bag. And yet this is what's great about the Cathars because, you know, whatever you did before, if you really chose the path and you chose it completely, the absolution that you got wasn't just because you could buy it, like in the Catholic church, you know, the absolution that people had, was genuine it was real and and belly Bast, unfortunately was very flawed and that's what led to his demise because he had the chance to escape many 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 times and unfortunately he was tricked and he was trapped by someone he considered to be a friend and this is the sad history of the cathars that those of us who remember do remember and that is the betrayal of one by the other you know mm -hmm. um people often had a bounty on their heads because they were considered to be such dangerous heretics and monsignor itself only fell because it was betrayed from the inside so i just want to get that out of the way because belly Bast was not you know this kind of wonderful pure character however he was a cathar and he did pass through the initiations and he mm -hmm. did changed his life and that's what's wonderful about him that he changed his life he he changed his ways and what's really sad is that he was then caught out by someone that he really trusted um and when he was burned now we're not quite sure about the dates it's either august the 21st or august the 24th but it's in that period um it said that he uttered before he was burned, you know, that after 700 years, the laurel will turn green again. Good men and women shall return. So the Cathars believed in reincarnation. That, you know, that was part of their doctrine. And that's another reason they were hated. Um, and so 
for 700 years, those who've kept these traditions alive have been waiting for this day. And these traditions have been kept alive by not only the people from history, all the people today, it's kind of a story which lives through us and beyond us and keeps reigniting. It's like the flame reignites in different people throughout time. And so it was passed down to me because of my involvement in the French Gnostic Church because um, not Deida Roche, but Jules Doinal, who created part of my branch of the Gnostic Church, was deeply involved in this and these mysteries. Um, but it was then passed on to me through my association with Richard as well and through being in Montsegur and and meeting people who had memories. Mm. And uh, yeah, and, and again, it's 700 years this August 21st, yeah. 2021. And uh, how are you preparing for it? Are you having a ritual or how are you doing? How do, what's We're your keeping it doing? private. We're keeping private? it private now. Yeah. Um, the main issue, of course, is COVID. And we all had the idea that this March 16th, which is the the um, 777th anniversary of the fall of Montsegur itself, mm. bearing in mind that that happened a long time before Balibas died, it was the 777th anniversary of the fall of Montsegur and the 700th anniversary of the prophecy. And so we all had this idea that we'd be up the mountain and there'd be a big you know, ritual and there'd be chalices and swords and you know we were going to do all this stuff and then COVID said no you're not and uh, <laughs> I think I said to you privately Miguel that what I have, I have realized and I think this is important I think what's about to happen in the coming days is we will see a shift I do believe we will see a shift but for me the real prophecy doesn't begin until after the 21st it doesn't begin until i would say you know next year really it is only going to be next year when it starts to be fulfilled i believe um but i do believe we will see a tidal change beginning after, after this period my preparation is to make sure that nothing happens to any of us between now and then mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah. we know that there are counter forces. Oh, yeah, yeah. They are making their moves. And so a lot of it is, for example, you ended up in southern France, Montségur, that area, because you had visions or awakening of your past life there. And so a lot of individuals who are appearing in southern France, they're waking up to their past life as Cathars and other heretics. And yeah. they are part of this, I want to call it restoration or new age, of, new age of Sophia when she returns, whoever she is. Yeah. And that's an interesting uh, and perfect word that you use because Jules Donnell, when he received his own prophecy, Jules Donnell was a medium as well as being a high level uh, Martinist and Freemason mm -hmm. um, involved in a spiritualist group in, in Paris with Lady Kate Nests. Um, who was a prominent esotericist. And um, Jules Donnell received the information in a seance that this is the era of Gnosis restored. Mm -hmm. And he was told in the seance, recreate the Cathar Gnostic Church. And if I remember, that was in around 1876, maybe 1880. Um, and sure enough, that is what he did with Lady Kate Ness and with other people and he was the first man to pass on traditional um, Syriac Orthodox lineages to women but with his own spiritual lineage which he believed he was given by the Aeon Christ as he called it and I think I may have said to you about him that he had 13 uh, Cathars arrive in the seance and give their names and because he worked as an archivist in a library in Orléans, 
he was actually able to check those names by the records in the archives and they all checked out as real. He did, yeah, he nailed them, <laughs> as they yeah. say here. So verify, I guess uh, he didn't have a phone where he could have found his girlfriend's <laughs> phone at the time. So he, no. the spirit had to do something <laughs> more, uh, more of that time. The reason and, I mentioned uh, that, Miguel, is because um, when you asked me about the prophecy, to me, they're all interlinked. You know, mm -hmm. what, what Jules Darnell was um, receiving, the apparitions at Fatima, Lord, everything started around 1875, I think, mm -hmm. um, around 1870, 1875. We had a swathe of apparitions of the White Lady throughout France. We had these pockets of mystics, of esotericists, of, you know, clairvoyants and spiritualists popping up everywhere and people starting to have memories and then people challenges to recreate the Gnostic church to learn about the cathars to and so many of us are just we're just pieces of this of this puzzle you know we're being brought in to manifest the same prophecy so we're all part of the same stream um and it it's drawing us all together and bringing us to where we need to be and connecting us to those that we need to meet, I, I feel. Um, as for why, this is the mystery. And I don't think I'm going to really fully know why until next year when I'm up that mountain and, you know, I have the people with me who are supposed to be there. And I think then we'll find out why. And that so next March, that's the seven hundred and seventy-seven year since the the fall of Montsegur, or was it this last March? And the, it was this last March, yeah. And then because the yeah, nobody could, and you couldn't, mm. yeah, nobody could uh, could congregate. Um, no, but the way I see it is that that was the year we all died. So mm -hmm. you know, it's the seven hundred and seventy-seventh anniversary of the massacre. And it's the 700th anniversary of, of Balibas' murder. Um, and so really, it, the time to begin the new, the new world is next year. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the deaths are happening at this time, in a way. It's, this is the year of death. This is the year of it all ending. So next year will be the year of it rebirthing again, of, of the, the greening of the bow, I think. Oh yeah, I think something great is on the way. Yeah, and uh, I don't. I'm not trying to make light about the phone, or but it kind of ties in with uh, Danielle. You should always be skeptical and try to verify because as we're talking, there are counterfeit spirits. Uh, there are spirits sometimes that just want to screw with your head. Uh, I've been thinking a lot lately of John Keel, who wrote the Mothman prophecy and how he claims these beings are just uh, there to, they're just cosmic shit posters and jokers. Yeah, they help humanity, but ultimately they're just playing a joke on us because, you know, like, you know, like a string and a cat. That's what they're doing. Yeah. So you have to be careful with these archons. So, speaking of um, um, possible uh, hoaxes, or or not, Medjugorje. Do you know about that? The one in Croatia. The um, the you know the um, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's another um, white lady manifestation, according to some people, and according to other people, it's it's not real. And I don't think the Catholic Church has sanctioned it the way they did with Fatima and uh, Lourdes, but uh, that doesn't make any difference. <laughs> it's, interesting. No, when, when was it from, Vance? Which era? Uh, um, I think it was in the 20th century, either 19th or 20th century. It's pretty sure it was the 20th century. You've oh, never no, heard of this Medjugorje in uh, in uh, Croatia, Miguel? No. Huh, that's yeah. funny. I, I was in a store one time, and this gal I got to talking to all of a sudden gave me this little medal, which came from there. And it was another, you know, they call it the Virgin Mary sighting. You know how they call these things Virgin Mary sightings. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, that that was a question from uh, one, one of our, uh, our, our uh, viewers. Here. Um, I'm pretty convinced that most of these um, sightings are real and valid. You know, they have there are too many of them that happen in too There's many places. And what I've seen myself, I just can't believe that people would make this up because we've got nothing to gain by making this up. 
It's actually very yeah. uh, humbling to have this kind of experience and worrying, like you say, Miguel, because you don't quite know, well, what is this all about? No, no, we don't know. Again, that's where mm -hmm. a little bit of faith and trust comes into the picture. And at the end, it's mm -hmm. uh, a journey of self-knowledge. If, if, if anything, you learn about who you are and what your strengths are and your talents and capabilities and you bring a little bit more light into the world, that's a good thing. You don't need the uh, you don't need a Hollywood ending. <laughs> True. And uh, the also interesting about uh, Belle Bast is that he was uh, executed by the Inquisition of Pamiers, and the lead was Jacques Fournier, and he mm -hmm. would later become Pope Benedict the Eighth. A fitting word, a crown for killing heretics. So I think that's what's uh, that's what's interesting too. Obviously, there must be a lot of synchronicities that you're discovering as you go down this path. Yeah, of course. And one of the you know the issues with this whole story, as you know, as I've said before, is the Cathars were against the wealth of the Catholic Church and the corruption of the bishops, and they didn't believe that that was. Um, what Christ wanted, you know, Christ himself did not go and become rich and have big ostentatious buildings and so on, full of gold, you know, that only happened when the Romans got involved. Um, and so they believed that what the bishops were doing was very heretical in itself. And they, they preached a much more simplistic way of life. And you know, it's no good to just pay for absolution. And, you know, one of the horrific things about the Albigensian crusade is that the soldiers and knights who were recruited were told, well, you'll get forgiven for what you're about to do. And so they could act with impunity, and they did with extreme brutality. And as I said before, this is where the Inquisition began. You know, the, the Inquisition was created for the destruction of the Cathars. And so when we think about this third age, getting back to the prophecy, we have the, the other prophecy, which goes back even further, which was um, that there will be a third age of Christianity. The, the first age is the father, which mm -hmm. is, um, you know, symbolized by Jehovah, as, as, you know, the Gnostics would say, the Demiurge. Um, and the Old Testament, the smiting demonic God that wants to kill everyone who disagrees. Um, and then, you know, they believed there was a second era of Christianity, which was represented by the Son and represented by Jesus and the New Testament. And then the prophecy says there will be and is now a third age of Christianity, which is represented by the Holy Spirit, which is represented by Mary and the holy book has not been written yet mm -hmm. or if it has it's been lost and it was said that the Cathars had a holy book that was known as the book of love however nobody knows where it is um, there is a, a story that it's somewhere inside the mountain of Monsegur and that's certainly something that Otto Rahn and other people who came to Monsegur looking for various treasures were searching for so the idea of this third age you know has been has been a prophecy for a very very long time um and like i say we are mere threads in the chain and bringing this into fruition now because now is the time and there you have it my beloved true seekers the first part of our AB Live with Amanda Radcliffe. What a cool chick and an amazing mystic. I would certainly re-watch Amanda's previous interview to grasp the fullness of the Cathars. It's a damn fine cup of Gnosis. But as mentioned in the intro, and as a bonus for patrons, Red Circle subscribers, and AB Prime members, beyond the full interview with Amanda, I'll include a past interview with Sean Martin on his best-selling book, The Cathars. You'll get a bigly summary on Cathar history, rituals, and theology. Don't miss it. Yes! 
Heresy is really so much damn fun. Including the audio version, this is a cool listen if you leverage the private RSS feed from AB Prime or Patreon that works in the podcast provider of your choice. And yes, you can now get a simple private RSS feed through Red Circle for less than five bucks a month. Check it out on the show notes. So please become a member or patron or Red Circle subscriber for the full interview and the bonus and to support this Red Pill Cafeteria. Go to thegodabovegod.com for means to assist and get the infernal rewards. Or just contact me. Whether it's Patreon or AB Prime or Red Circle, it will cost you about a buck per episode. And that's a deal of many lifetimes. The alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics is more important than ever. Might be the only way to be prepared for that new age Amanda and other Gnostic-minded have suddenly started predicting. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.